Got the cloud. Are you on beer tonight, Bruce? Uh, no, I've uh, I've tried, believe it or not, like cream egg beer, and I have to say that was it. <laughs> girl at work, her brother had got a can, they bought it as a surprise. Sold out, you know, in like record time. It oh, was, yeah. uh, it was the absolutely astonishing stuff. And uh, no, I think I'll be, I'll be, I'll try one soon. I'm drinking coffee. I will start drinking again soon. I feel yeah. All right. Okay, as you can tell, everybody, we're we're back. We're we're back from the whatever the vaccine hell that we've had for the last week or so. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we're a bit late getting this one out. It's been long. It feels like a bloody years since we all mm. sat here again talking to each other. Um, so welcome to episode nine, which is all about York, and I've put drinking with Vikings and Romans. So Bruce is going to be in the chair for most of this evening. Um, so again, Bruce's COVID. I, 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 there's a book here, Bruce, isn't there? So you've had the bloody thing, you've been self-isolating, you mm. get the bloody vaccine and that sends you do lally for God knows how many days. So it's just... <laughs> Boris has got it in for you, hasn't he, really? Hopefully the sag is over. I was escaped the uh, plasma testing, though, because they've cancelled the trial, so there's no, uh, no benefit. So that, I did escape that one. And, and then even yeah. then, you went, you went for your jab at uh, 8 o'clock at night, and then you didn't get it because there was some problem with it. So they sent you away. Then you came all the way back again in, what, two days' time or whatever it yeah. was. And then got the problem jam. is, Bruce, you're yeah. a city boy now. You need to be in the countryside <laughs> with all the muck and good old germs. And you, you, get a good do- you get a good dose of that, no problem at all. I had my injection on Monday. Yeah, a little bit of a sore arm, but fine, no worries. It, it was bizarre. I was fine after I... If I felt it, bizarrely enough, I had it. And I felt the best I've felt in months as I'd COVID, almost like I'd had a line of coke or something. Not that I've ever had a line of coke, but <laughs> I felt incredibly, I felt too well and woke up City boy. and felt too well. And then about half past 10, uh, shut up. I just felt terrible. And by half past 11, I just took to my bed and slept solid for about six hours. It was yeah, absolutely uh, bizarre. So I think, as I said in the tweet, we're all child of the 60s. So we're in that, we're in, we're in, thankfully, we're in that age group because I'm not quite sure how many more vaccines will be left after next week and whether we can sort out the battle with the French and the Germans. At least on the passport to get a pint. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, I do think that. Do yeah. think that. And, and I've got my second one booked in for the end of May. I don't know if you guys have got your second one's booked in yeah. yet, but so we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, it's good to be back. So we have a little bit of a long, a longer wait. So we're going to crack on with that. We'll do the normal. Uh, big pickups. I think we've been quite a lot, really. Um, we had the camera 50th uh, birthday uh, last week. We've had the Winter Beer Festival this weekend, last weekend. Uh, I did quite a nice little uh, evening with that hot fuzz brew. It was quite good. Uh, we've had Paddy's Day last week as well. So it's been a quite a fun-filled uh, last couple of weeks, really. Uh, Nicholas, what are you on this evening? Okay, so I'm being loyal to Massam uh, tonight. So I've just cracked this one fixed into pale ale. I don't think I've had that one before. It was sort of mixed in with other Thixton's beers, and I thought, hang on. Yeah, Thixton's, not either pale ale. So that's my first one. I'm going to give that one a blast now. That's a 4.5. Looks like some new branding as well there. They all procured the seal and then quite a bit of new branding. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And then um, following up with uh, their neighbours, I've got a bottle of Gold Sheep. And that's obviously uh, Black Sheep Brewery. So Yeah. Yeah, they have three different different, uh, Black Sheep beers in... um, uh, Morrison's today, so uh, yeah, right, quite three, impressed. Three three months on in the podcast, three months since Christmas. Bruce, uh, still, I, I hear you might have had some beer this week, but yeah, I did. I, uh, in this evening. The uh, Goose um, Island Cream Egg beer that we featured here a few weeks ago. Um, 
a, little, a colleague at work, her brother had managed to uh, get four cans and she brought a can in for three of us to try at work. It was absolutely amazing. That will be back. And the head was absolutely stunning. It was oh, like no beer head you've ever before. If you could imagine a beery cream egg head, that's exactly what it was. It was absolutely astonishing. No, but apart from that, I did get some uh, Guinness sausages from Lidl for St. Patrick's <laughs> Day. Uh, I love Guinness normally. I love sausages, but I'd say the two don't go together at all. So we're <laughs> an anti-climax here. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm I'm on some homebrew tonight because uh, I've said my my mate Simon, we've been we have a lockdown treat. We bought each we bought a pinter this new brewing system uh, from the uh, great good brewing company about fresh brewing. They are on Twitter. Uh, I'm drinking Simon actually made this. It's it's a dark matter espresso stout, and it tastes blooming nice actually. Um, and we've just been explaining. I'll, I'll, there's a I've got a couple of pictures later on and. I've got a couple of these now. There was a deal where you get you got kind of two, two of the kind of brewing vessels. So I've got two brews going. So I'll come back to that. Uh, I thought we'd better celebrate St. Patrick. So I've got. I'm going to then move on to a bottle of Killarney Red yeah. from the Brion Brew House, which is interesting. Now I've had a couple of these in one of the boxes that I've got. Uh, it, it, again, I'm going to talk about Roger Prost in a minute. Um, it's a theme that we talked about. Roger mentioned this on Sunday. I, I didn't realise actually. Do you know that Ireland at the moment, there are two breweries, which is Guinness and Heineken. Heineken now obviously own Murphy's and Beamish, and they make 98% of all Irish beer just between those two breweries, wow. which is just modern. And so it, it's really great that there are some very small uh, breweries that are kind of coming along now. And again, it's interesting because I, I picked this up a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Northern Ireland at the moment, there's a real problem in Northern Ireland where breweries there cannot sell beer. They cannot sell beer. They have to sell it on to other people. You know, there's no off trade from a brewery. Then they can't have a tap. They can't sell your cans. They've got to sell everything on in in, in weird legislation. And so again, there's a couple of petitions going around. Please, if people listening, and you can see one of those sign up. It's just bonkers that there's some great brewers in Northern Ireland, in Ireland, but yeah. there's still some weird laws that say you can't actually sell beer from a brewery. You've got to sell it on to another, you know, somebody else who owns it for you, which is a bit weird. Hilden Ale is still available in Northern Ireland because that was the traditional Northern Ireland yeah. Hilden Ale, wasn't it? I really don't know, to be honest. Yeah, I can't remember last time I was over there, what we were drinking. I mean, there's quite a lot of craft, there is some craft yeah. beer now, because there are brewers doing it. And then, as we're talking about York, again, one of my mystery boxes, I'm a skinflint, I, I, I'm currently buying mystery boxes from all these beer money, because obviously they've got all their Christmas stuff, and, and like, for, this was like 20 quid, I think. So I've got a Brew York, the fairy tale of Brew York, which is a peanut pecan maple vanilla milk stout. So there was a 10% one of these. This is the 4.9%. So I'll let you know you, that goes. Do you put it in a glass or eat it with a knife and fork? <laughs> I don't know. But uh, again, I do like Brew York's, um, you know, uh, artistic uh, cans, etc. So yeah. and we'll come back to Brew York shortly. So, guys, let me share the screen and then we will crack on. And I'm this, uh, this pale ale is very nice, actually. One Good. of the best bottle beers I've had in a recent time. Uh, yeah, it's, it's very refreshing. Slight citrus. A little bit biscuity, but yeah, if you can find it, I would recommend that one. Now, I'm determined to keep us fairly swift tonight because it takes me so long for these damn things to bloody build because we take two hours talking. <laughs> so, uh, so we're there already. So, 
this is going out, or we're doing it on the 25th of March. It is episode nine, as I said, not episode eight. I've got the wrong one there. Um, I've still got episode eight there. It's episode nine. Uh, but Bruce, we're going to do it in two parts. Again, you when we start always here, we thinking we think we think a good game, and then when we start to think about the actual logistics of this. Yeah. So we're just you're hoping that we can do probably York. We'll do York today and then come back in a couple of weeks' time and finish up the other half. That's right, yeah. isn't it? Too much to do in one episode. It would have been not enough here. <laughs> And again, as always, we're doing this in kind of two formats. So if you're listening on the podcast, fantastic. Uh, equally, if you're watching us or listening to us via YouTube, again, we've got some of Bruce's nice pictures today that we're going to share. Um, and obviously, you can you can obviously get both. So uh, Malt Travels, Podbean, uh, if you want to find the website, uh, Bruce has promised me he's going to write up the pubs. So we'll, we'll put those on there as well at some point. So, Nick, I'm going to pass over to you now. You did the last episode where we looked at uh, logos, labels and branding, didn't we? Uh, yeah. And just a few things you wanted to, just to kind of pick up on, as always, with the beer talking section. Yeah, not so much corrections this week, but uh, going on points that we made last week and just some additional information. So the first one is Guinness. I suggested that the ASA Advertiser Standards Agency wouldn't allow them to uh, advertise it. It's good for you nowadays. You argued the toss and said, oh, no, it's full of iron. So I looked into it, and in fact, uh, one pint of Guinness contains 0.3 milligrams of iron, which is 3% of a adult's daily requirement. So you think, oh, yeah, you could drink plenty of pints. But in fact, if you had 15 pints of Guinness, that would be the equivalent to eating two Weetabix. So the <laughs> fact that Guinness contains lots of iron is a myth. According to the scientists, but as you pointed out as well, Bruce, is that the racehorses seem to enjoy it. Yeah, I think do. after 15 pints, you wouldn't probably know what you felt like. Or... So that's 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 the myth. I, around, I, um, uh... I saw a few things on TikTok this week. Uh, people using, you know, those Guinness, uh, what they call agitator, um, using electronic toothbrushes to put it in the in the Guinness. And obviously that froths it up, doesn't it, and gives you a full pint. Because I must admit, I did a few Guinness last week. And it, you know you know what? It's not a bad pint, is it really? Even the cans, it's pretty good, actually, the cans, I've got to say. Hey, that, that's a good idea, using that toothbrush, because I've yeah. used one of those agitators before, and they do work. Yeah, You've got to know how to use them. You've got to yeah. put a little bit of water yeah. on the base and then make sure your glass is on there. But yeah, it uh, it does work. So that's, it, uh, you can buy them, can't you? Now they're bad. Oh, uh, once again, very expensive. Yeah. You're looking at 50 or 60 quid now. Yeah. There are some yeah. Chinese copies that they get mixed reviews online. Uh, yeah. But no, it's, it's, and then obviously you've got to try and find the cans as well. Yeah. So you can't walk into a supermarket and buy the, uh, the agitator cans. You've got to get them wholesale, really, or, you know, online, uh, which means buying a slab of 24 at a time. But yeah, also, I, I was the same. You know, I, I mentioned three weeks ago when the rugby started, I got yeah. myself just four cans of normal Guinness. They were given a free glass away, actually, 475, get a free pint glass. And yeah, I enjoyed it after so long. Uh, in fact, I, you know, I'm planning a little trip over to Ireland whenever we can get over there next year, probably. But uh, due to go back to uh, to Dublin to, to try the, the real stuff. Yeah. So cover the Guinness. Uh, yeah. Next little, uh, logo there is a great new sim. We had a chat about ladies involved in beer and brewing last, last week, and I mentioned that uh, I knew the uh, assistant head brewer at uh, Great Newsome was a lady, but I couldn't remember her name. So I'm going to rightly give her a name. Now, it's Leanne. Uh, so it's Leanne there at... Uh, oh, there she is. 
I've pitched yeah. that picture off Twitter, so you hope yeah. you can't moan at me. So there's, there's Leanne, who is, I think, is she assistant brewer, isn't she, at uh, Great News? Yeah, is that right? never met her, but each each week they send me a newsletter and after I bought my box of them, and each week they pay tribute to one of their hardworking members of staff. And I say Leanne's write-up was the fact that she basically loves all the graft and uh, comes <laughs> up with a lot of new recipes. So even when I do get over there, it'd be quite nice to meet some of these people face-to-face. Uh, and I say it was saving me the eight quid of postage or whatever. Or five red because I was I was local, um, but it means I can buy a couple more beers as well rather than pay for the postage. Be a nice run out over the walls there. So that was uh, Leanne. Uh, the other name that I uh, forgot and you guys tried to help me out with was the long-standing steward at the Morton and Norton Railway Institute Club, and that was Derek <laughs> Derek Derek Savage. That's right, and his dog was called Shelley. And I think I remember rightly, Bruce, he actually used to live in a touring caravan in the car park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he really was there 24-7. I mean, he was a character, like some of these guys are. Uh, but certainly, you know, uh, whenever you went in there, Derek was always there holding holding court and holding fort. And, uh, yeah, he, he was he, say he was a character, but he, he, was he, ran right. a, he ran a good ship. And uh, I think it's, I don't know whether it's still open or not now, you know. I think no, it's just I one of those... Uh, yeah, I don't think it is. And I think it's another club in Moulton that, you know, traditional industry and traditional works, places of work have, have gone away and the older generations have died off and none of the new, younger generations have moved in there. So uh, so that, that was Derek and his daughter. I mean, to be honest, there's a, I put a picture there of it. It looks, it looks pretty run down there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I spent many hours behind the bar there working there when I was a student. I'd, uh, I came and worked there when I was on holidays. Uh, some cracking. I used to work Christmas. I used to work all the crap hours. Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, Sunday lunchtime. But it was a good old, good place. Good place. It wouldn't entice you in though if you didn't know that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, I I mainly went in there for the uh, snooker table and the pool table. Oh yeah, they're full length, uh, full length snooker table, didn't they? Uh, they had. I think they had two snooker tables. Two. Yeah. And, then, and, yeah. and a bandit that played at hundred quid as well on a good day. Yeah, if you knew which day to go and play it, that's right. And then the main function room, I did a couple of discos in there as well. So, yeah, it served a good purpose. I mean, in a way, other than the problems of the flooding, it's, it could be a, a quite an expensive, important bit of real estate there, but I suppose it's still owned by, probably by the railway, uh, possibly, I would think. Um, so that was Derek. And then the final one was um, just going back to, we were talking about uh, pub signs and the history of pub signs. And I suggested that uh, the main reason why pub signs were adapted sort of after the Romans first utilised them and then the monks uh, showing uh, taverns and places to be able to stay was a particular king who decided that uh, anybody who was brewing uh, and selling ale should have a pub sign, mainly so that his official royal beer tasters could identify where they were and charge them appropriate taxes. So I did a little bit of research and the king was actually Richard II, who passed his law in 1393, and the law stated that whoever shall brew ale in town with the intention of selling it must put out a sign, otherwise he shall forfeit his, his ale. And as I say, that was so that uh, when the official Royal Bee Tasted came into town, they could very quickly find out who was selling beer and go and get the taxes off them. Now, moving on a little bit from that, um, the most popular pub name, it seems in the UK, is the Red Lion. Now, there is a little bit of contention about that. Uh, this is according to the In Science Society that I came across. They've got a nice little website and they're looking for members as well. So if you're interested in pub science, then check their website out, which is www.insciencesociety.com.co.uk. But they state that the red line is the most common pub name uh, for two reasons. 
it's either because um, the uh, link to John of Gaunt, who was the third son of King Edward III, whose coat of arms incorporated a Spanish castle and a red lion, and whose loyal supporters uh, thought that he should have been king. Um, and so they would put up a sign of the red lion. The guy who was king at that point, which I can't remember who it was, uh, his crest with a white heart, which is why uh, you often get a lot of white heart pubs as well. But the Inside Society attribute the red lion to a connection with James VI of Scotland, who inherited the English crown uh, because he succeeded Elizabeth I, who obviously uh, didn't have any children. So he became rightful heir. And once again, um, it was part of his heraldic coat of arms was the Red Lion. And so when he became King of England as well as Scotland, he said that all public buildings, including taverns, had to incorporate the Red Lion onto the building just to really uh, reinforce his rightful um, authority to rule over the country. So by incorporating the Red Lion in a lot of public buildings and a lot of taverns and inns that were around at that time, it was then adopted as that's the Red Lion pub. So that's where the Red Lion comes. But I say there is a bit of controversy depending on which website you look at. Other people state that it's either the Royal Oak or the Crown that are the most popular names. And I suppose it's very difficult because pubs are opening, pubs are closing. I can't see many new pubs now uh, taking on a traditional pub name like that. But any week, you know, a Red Lion or a Crown or a Royal Oak can be closing around town. I know in Moulton we had, uh, well, we've got, theoretically, we have three Royal Oaks. One definitely changed its name to the Derwent Arms, which is down in Norton. The Royal Oak in Moulton is now currently closed. Uh, so the only Royal Oak we still have left is the one up in Old Moulton. So we have three Royal Oaks and no Red Lions. Um, but we have a crown as well. We have a crown on the main street that was for many, many years called Sudabies. And I think everybody in town will still call it Sudabies, but the new landlord and landlady decided to take it back to what its former name was, uh, that officially it was always the crown. So that's my information on pub signs. I'm talking of red. I'm moving to make me red kill Kenny. It's definitely very red, this beer. I was red in colour. Um, Roger, was he the guy who found the car park in Leicester, Richard II? Or was that Richard III? It was Richard, I think it was probably Richard II, wasn't it? The one that the, you know, the, the car park I'm found in. We'll check that out. Uh, yeah, not sure. We'll have to something to check for next week okay beery highlights uh again we've had quite a way off so just pick up some of these really uh yorkshire pudding pale ale is taking over the world but i'm going to come back to that way in a minute because i've got another little, little segment on that as well uh bruce has mentioned the uh go beerly the uh crabbish cream egg limited edition uh and like you say bruce i've not seen any it's quite hard to get all of them, i think isn't it's it? sold out in hours but it was absolutely wonderful stuff um i'm sure next year it'll be out with much bigger production run it'll be massively successful i can see that becoming a real sort of cult yeah. stage really and people looking out for it it was fantastic yeah and i mentioned the pinter so that's what i'm doing at the moment and doing a bit of brewing and then again this weekend was the uh great british beer festival winter festival uh, it was due to be in Birmingham this year. And so, again, camera, we mentioned a few times, I think, in previous podcasts, uh, did a kind of virtual weekend with some, actually some good beer. I, I kind of, I, although I didn't have the beers, I, I dropped into quite a few of the beer tastings that were quite interesting. Uh, there was a really good debate on Saturday evening um, with um, uh, Stuart Bateman uh, from Bateman's Brewery and Tim Webb 
who is the World Atlas of Beer, and I think Emma Inch was on there as well, the, the uh, beer writer of the year last year. Uh, really interesting, just their thoughts about what we do, really thinking about the future of beer, what's going on, what's like to happen post-pandemic. Uh, I think Tim Webb made a really good point that, you know, he did say, you know, pubs are going to have to think about what they do because we're getting so used now to drinking at home. Do you want to go to a fairly crappy pub and pay three times as much as you would for beer that you can get in the supermarket these days and we've mentioned the great range you get in supermarkets um eat food that's being kind of put in a microwave that's kind of you know just rehydrated almost um, and music that you don't really like being played by somebody else you know whereas you can sit at home you can have a fantastic meal you cook yourself you can have a great uh, loads of beers cheap from the supermarket or from the bottle shop and from the online uh, and play your own music or watch the telly so it was quite interesting really and again there was roger Protz and emmerich both felt that Beer taps are going to be really big because it's a, it's kind of cutting out the middleman. It's a great way for breweries to a sell their product and meet their customers. And I think that's we like that. You know, we like the craft bit is what we like. We like that. You know, Providence. We know where it's coming from. Um, yeah. And the big pub codes will will carry on. And there was they were really worried about those middle of the roaders. And and you know even even people like Batemans and, and Stuart was very honest and said you know Batemans is is facing a struggle. They're being a very much a cask. Um, only brewery for most of its history. They have now put three beers into cans. Um, they are fairly regional. You know, they pretty much sell beers in their area. They do some seasonals in bottles and things, uh, but it's quite interesting. Um, and again, similar actually, were, I'll leave this one, but there was a really good podcast, Rhythm and Brews, this week. They were with um, Julian Fergus Fitz, Fitz uh, Gerald from Adnams, um, and they had a really, a really interesting discussion again about Adnams and how Adnams has really moved probably the last 10 years into being a fairly traditional brewery, you know, brewing some fantastic sort of beer, but now we've really gone into craft and uh, lots of difference. And I, I didn't know this, that their, their uh, wild hop beer is where they actually go out and ask people to pick hops and they bring all the hops into the brewery. And if you do that, you actually get some of the beer. And in fact, um, Fergus was about to set off and deliver a lot of beer. They do it just once a year. It's a one-off brew and anybody just find some hops somewhere, pick them, uh, get them to the brewery and they throw all those hops into the beer uh, and, and they create wild hop beer which is really interesting and work it through um, and uh, so yeah the um, Morton Brewery we've got to talk about Morton Brewery because we talk about Morton quite a lot and we've, uh, we've been in contact with Howard and hopefully uh, in the near future we'll, we're going to have a little bit of a we think we'll have a Morton uh, couple of podcasts um, obviously we've now got three great breweries in Morton we've mentioned a lot of the brewing heritage and I quite like how his little strap line there on his Twitter, which says, Malton Brewery, brewing beer on the banks of the River Derwent in Malton, just like they did in the 1800s, and home of the first and original Yorkshire pudding beer. And apparently Yorkshire pudding beer is taking the world by storm. Uh, so much so, in that Howard is rebranding the brewery, he's, he's already announced this, but they're going to become the Yorkshire pudding beer brewery as well. Um, I think they've had a couple, I think Horst, they were Horst down, weren't they, as well, as well, I think that's when I first... Yeah. Met Howard, it was forced down, mm. and he bought then when as Nick mentioned there's Sudabis when Sudabis kind of closed down or the family let go of the the pub and the obviously the brewery had been there hadn't been there for a while has it but he managed to buy the Malton Brewery uh, name was he uh, were they thinking about doing we need to ask him really double chance which was always a very famous uh, Malton Brewery beer and old Bob. Um, I don't know whether, again, he got access to those as well. We, that's what we need to ask, getting on podcasts, asking, don't we? Yeah. So look out for Yorkshire pudding. But I can't find any yet, and apparently it's going off shelves like hotcakes. So we're going to look out for some, and hopefully we'll uh, 
I said we'll do we'll do a thing in the future. So look out for the uh, Yorkshire pudding. Uh, sorry, the Yorkshire pudding brewery. I'll take um, a look tomorrow in, in the uh, house of the Trembley Madness. Yeah, yeah. They've got two beer shops still open uh, for takeaway. Uh, yeah, you see, corks and cans down Norton used to be great for that. Um, he used to stock a lot of local beers, but obviously that's gone now. I think it's a Polish supermarket, uh, which is a shame. This is why I'm sort of like I have to go to the supermarkets now. You know, yeah, we don't have any. Yeah. I mean, Neil himself had his own little independent beer beer shop yeah. within within yeah. the pub within Sotheby's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but as I say, I can't think of anywhere else in town now that I'll, I'd be able to walk in that isn't a supermarket and and buy a, a local bottle of beer, which is a bit of a shame, really. But there so we we'll, uh, I think we'll do a little. I say we'll do a podcast on one. I was reflecting. Somebody asked me the other day about beer, and I said, "Well, I really got into it when, for whatever reason, in my A level economics." Uh, and I went to Malton School, uh, we did the new Malton Brewery was our kind of case study. So we, we had to go down the brewery quite a few times and make notes that did my A-level economics all about Malton Brewery. Uh, and actually, wrote, I, I didn't do very well in economics, but I wrote about Malton Brewery in my A-level general studies exam, and I got a grade B. So uh, that's kind of where the story for me started. I wrote about Coronation Street, I got a grade A. <laughs> Cuts a couple of things in about beer news. Uh, one, 50 years of camera, obviously, then there was quite a few things going on um, over that. Uh, that was that was kind of last weekend before, wasn't it? Um, and we mentioned, again, we mentioned that in a few pods, et cetera, as well, which has been fantastic. And again, uh, Roger Protz was making that point that um, I think, again, when camera was kind of kicked in 50 years ago, again, there were kind of one or two massive brewers that pretty much brewed 90% of all beer in Britain. And of course, now I, he was making the point, we're blessed and that we have so many breweries in Britain, we, you know, with all those family breweries that we talked about that, uh, again, he's, he's recently wrote about the craft brewing uh, scene. So really good. And I've put a picture there of a fan, the fantastic Whitby Brewery glasses, which I love, because I'm coming full circle. So I mentioned before the last pint I actually drank in the pub was in October, around about the 25th of October, which was in the Duke of York, and it was a pint of, I think it was Whitby Jet, actually. And full circle, on the 12th of April, when we when we let out again, uh, me, the wife, and my eldest, our youngest, we're going Fingers crossed. Whitby. Fingers crossed. We're, we're going to go to Whitby. Um, the, pub, the pub will be much open. I'm hoping the brewery's going to be open, because I know they, they spent quite a lot of... Um, uh, doing all the yard and they've got quite a lot of seating and thing in there, a pizza oven. So I'm fingers crossed I'm going to go and have a pint of lovely Whitby, Whitby beer um, up, up on the cliff there by the Abbey. Uh, and I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm really missing a, a decent pint of cask beer. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I don't know whether Duke of York will be open because as we mentioned the way they haven't really got any outdoor space, have they? So yeah, and, and you know what, what worries me is I've been looking up a website. Obviously, I know me Nick said we might try and get together for a beer when I'm up there and Bruce is saying, but looking at a lot of pub websites and Facebook pages, there's not a lot being said yet where they're all, they're all hanging on. It's, 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 it's still uncertainty, even though these dates have been announced. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not getting anything from the government whatsoever officially what's going to happen. So yeah. I don't yeah. think people like to jump the gun. Uh, I mean, a, a lot, you know, some of the bigger companies are doing it now. I got a couple of emails from Marston's and somebody else saying, oh, we're taking bookings. Fuller's, in fact, gone in contact with me and said, look, yeah. you know, we're taking bookings in certain pubs in, in London now, uh, if you want to make a booking. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people, I mean, certain business I'm working at, you know, we don't like to commit too much because we don't want to disappoint people again in case yeah. the government certainly moved the goalposts within a week of what when we're supposed to be opening again. So I think that's the, that's the thing we're all being caged in. Also... It's finances, you know, to have somebody yeah. sat working on your website all the time, unless you're pretty IT savvy, 
um, you know, you've got to pay somebody to do it. And you're thinking, well, hang on, I can't afford to pay somebody to do it until we're actually yeah, generating yeah. the cash to pay them. So yeah. I think that's where it is with the social media now. But uh, probably yeah. not so much website. I think Facebook is a little bit easier now for people yeah, to yeah. update yeah. and pick up. So maybe nearer the time, you know, just keep an eye on people's Facebook and stuff was, like that. Um, I was just checking the bottle then because that basically gone cloudy. I wonder whether it was a bottle condition. It doesn't say that because one thing I learned actually on the uh, the weekend, which was with uh, Christine, who does quite a lot of the tastings with camera, um, a lot of brewers now are using something called sticky yeast. So she said the proper job, um, they use sticky yeast. And what that means is it actually sticks to the bottom of the bottle. So it's yeast, it is still bottle conditioned, but when you tip the bottle over, the yeast will not move. And they've designed that now so that you don't get that cloudiness. Or, you know, sometimes you've got to be careful at the end, which is something I'd, I'd not heard about. It's really popular now that, yeah, look out for sticky yeast. And she's mentioned that proper job, which we've talked that'll about. Be the, that'll be the leprechauns in that kill, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You've just so, released them. <laughs> Bruce, we're going to talk about this magnificent city, which is York, which is pretty unique in that it's still pretty much, uh, well, it's, a, it's just about one of the few truly walled cities isn't it in i think in the world that it's pretty much the wall just about goes all the way around doesn't it the old the old city mm-hmm. uh and i've just got there for those on youtube a fantastic uh image of york minster and i've just i reflected to the guys who were here we had some australian friends over um last uh oh, two years ago now two summers uh, two summers ago and we, we we met them in york we took them on the walls and they all said Wow, it's a city here that hasn't got any high-rise buildings apart from the Minster. The Minster completely dominates uh, the skyline. And I think, actually, Bruce, that's the Catholic uh, cathedral or church, isn't it, next to that on that image yeah, there, very, which is where you were married. Church, yeah. yeah, which is, again, a, a spit from the York, from New York. So it is a fantastic city. Bruce is fan, you know, Bruce has the privilege of living in that city, or just outside the walls, aren't you, Bruce? Yeah, no, fair way over there, about 10 minutes walk. So, yeah, so tonight we're going to... Uh, not go around the whole city because there's far too many uh, pubs to feature in one episode. Uh, you'd all be nodding off. Uh, <laughs> so we thought tonight we'd start by staking to the west side of the river, probably where some of the lesser known... A little map on here now. Down. Yeah. Um, and not cross river at all. We'd save that for another time. So um, we have a starting point, of course, to talk of uh, guide you all through. And I will write this up on uh, the website. But it seems sensible if our starting point to be the uh, railway station, presumably yeah. lots of people remember the day, will do that one. Which again, is just outside the walls, isn't the railway station? It's on that it, on the it, map there, it's on the left-hand, kind of left left corner, um, very far, you can't miss it, York Railway Station, which is a fantastic building in its own right, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably fantastic the country, isn't it? It's amazing. And You're going to spend money on it, aren't they, Bruce? They're going to refurbish all the frontage and do stuff like that? Yeah, they're going to knock the bridge down outside. Uh, a bit controversial, really. Um, they moved the ticket office and things. I'm not sure it's the move for the better, really. But, yeah, but the goods of it will remain intact. So, yeah, so if you're arriving on the train or going to follow this trail, you'll start the railway station. And actually, inside the railway station, because we're quite fortunate that people on the Euston Tap, Sheffield Tap, they've also, of course, run the uh, York Tap, uh, uh, converted Victorian tea rooms, uh, just not by Platform 4 there. It's got an entrance on the station and also on outside the station as well. I think we have a picture of those looking so, for yeah. you. Just before we do that, we're just going to do a few. I'm just going to give you some York pub facts because, again, we've mentioned New York before as being a, well, we think it's probably the, the best. Uh, Roger Prox was trying to claim that St Albans was the best place to be because it's got 59 pubs in bloody St Albans. Well, Roger, York's got 365 pubs. That's the myth anyway. Uh, and he's supposed to be able to do a pub of every day of the year. 
Oh, that's true. Not we're not quite sure. I think when you count the bars, and Nick mentioned the bars, but there is some real yeah, facts here. If you put some real facts for you, so the ONS, which we know lots about now because we get that every week with the COVID numbers, the ONS says that the in York there are nine point one pubs per ten thousand population, and the UK average is five point eight pubs per ten thousand. So York, I think, can claim to be uh, the best place in the country for pubs, etc. But now I've been doing a bit of work on this. There are only three breweries within the city limits of York. Mm. And I do wonder whether these two can actually name those three. I mean, there have been breweries that have come and gone a little bit. We've mentioned the Tower Brewery, Nick, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we have mentioned York Brewery, which, again, fortunately now is all the way out to Massam, still in Yorkshire. Do you know what the three breweries in York are? Now we've got, uh, well, there's Brewery York, obviously. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, the Ainsty Brewery at Acaster Mulbis. That's not in York, though. That's doesn't oh, count. Right, not counting that one. Then neither so we'll be counting Traboom either, will you? At uh, nope. Shepton, and I've put I've put Rudgate there because I thought Rudgate was York, but it's not. It's Topwith. Yeah, that's which is bad. Between Carrigat and York, isn't it? So you've got Isaac Isaac Pod, but they're not not in the city, are they? No. Uh, so you've got Brew York, um, which Half is Moon. the biggest one now. You've got somewhere yeah. called the Three Non Beards. Never heard of them. Yeah. And the final one is called the Ice Cream Factory Brewery. Oh, yes, yes, that's that, right. Yes, see a lot of that kicking about now, getting the Fosgate and Gate socials. Nice yeah, that's beer, right. That, yeah. And they do quite a lot of joint collab beers with the social. Um, but they, yeah. they don't do any cast, though. It just says they're only doing keg beer at the moment. And it's in the old Capaldi's Ice Cream Factory, which is why it's called the Ice Cream Factory Brewery. So now we, we've talked about this before, haven't really? Why is it that there are no breweries in New York? Now, I thought... Ah, water. We've talked about water. We've talked about Burton. We've talked about Tadcaster. We've talked about Fuller's in London. So I thought that might be it. The water must be so manky in York that you can't brew beer. But do you know what? The water in York is exactly the same type of water, whatever you call it, count as it is in Burton, as in Tadcaster. It's literally the same as Tadcaster. So it's not the water. Real estate. Mm, possibly medieval town. Space. Space. Yeah. Yeah. Space to, to put a brewery in, unless it's a little microbrewery in somebody's garage, you need space. And space is an absolute premium because it is a walled town. And there are if there is any other type of industry in, in, in within the city walls, it's generating far bigger uh income than than brewing would do. Um so I, I would I would say it's down to, okay, down to real but estate. Chocolate factories need quite a lot of space as well, don't they, Nick? And they're bigger than probably breweries, certainly the ones in York are. But they and aren't within they aren't within the city walls. They were always on the periphery. And obviously York was built by the chocolate people, the chocolate pioneers. And as you had mentioned before, maybe that's something to do with it. Uh, the we'll fact that it was that a, it's, yeah. it's the Quaker influence who were who were great yeah. landowners who won't allow alcohol to I be brewed. I, I and I can't find that written down anywhere, but I think you're probably right. So we've got to go back to 1651, when a certain George Fox was kicked out of Yorkminster by the by the whatever they were, the Church of England top people, uh, because he was he was obviously questioning the right of bishops and people to have this thing. And, and of course, George Fox goes on to become the founder of the Quakers. So the Quakers can say that um, the Quaker movement was actually founded in York back in 1651. And as you've mentioned there, Roundtrees and Terry's were both very famous Quaker families. And of course, one of the things about chocolate was it was 
that was part of that temperance movement. The idea that by offering chocolate and coffee, actually, as well, it was a way of keeping the working men and not actually not just working men, some of the middle class and upper class guys out of the out of the pubs and the bars and chocolate and and uh, coffee was seen as being a more suitable uh, refreshment and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, highlight of the week rather going and getting smashed. Um, yes, and so, I mean, that still goes on today because, of course, New Year's Week is a village that was uh, yeah. built uh, entirely by the uh, Roundtree Foundation. Uh, it's protected and run now by the Roundtree uh, Trust and the covenant on it. And, of course, it's a, a dry suburb of York. There's no, there's no problem. Yeah. And, and it's, oh, it just yeah. sounds like obviously Round Trees and Terry's and other chocolate companies that came and went were very powerful. And of course, the other thing that, again, I, I kind of remembered, but I didn't realise, of course, you've got two fairly famous schools in York. Well, we've got, you've got probably several famous schools, but the Bootham School and the Mount School, which I guess, Bruce, in days gone by, would have probably produced most of the middle classes oh, yeah. of York, wouldn't it? You know, the, the oh, shop yeah. owners and the the schoolmasters and the lawyers. And of course, they're both Quaker foundation schools. They're both Quaker schools and still are. Um, the third school, of course, is St. Peter's, which is famous because of Guy Fawkes, who went to St. Peter's and obviously tried to blow up Parliament. So I a think church, that's probably... A, a, church, a church school again. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, you mentioned about coffee and, and chocolate drinking. Certainly the working classes weren't... Uh, they couldn't afford a beverage like that anyway. But obviously they were kept in line by, as you say, by, by the people who were either employing them or providing them with uh, with housing, with accommodation. Yeah, but, uh, but remember, that, that's the whole point of Terry's and, and Fry's and Rountree's. But, you know, penny chocolate bars were exactly that. They they almost subsidised the cost of chocolate to allow the lower classes to be able to access it. Because you're right, it was quite an expensive thing. But again, let's go back, you know, York Minster, massive monast monastery-type building that's been there for, well, since the Vikings were there. That must have been brewing beer. They must have had the brew house there. So it's really interesting how over the years, and I think it's if we, let's be honest, if we're honest, it's probably a combination of all all those things: space, um, the the power of the of the Quakers, uh, and probably also because you've got some damn good breweries in Tadcaster, which is literally what fifteen miles away from York. So why why try and do something when you've got a town? I think you've got to remember as well that uh, although they were only factory jobs, uh, working in uh, Terry's, uh, Round Trees, and Cravens. Uh, they were historically very well paid for, you know, yeah. factory jobs. And they came with lots of perks and benefits. So enticing uh, staff away would be difficult to match their wages. Yeah. And also, when you speak to people in York, um, there's certainly some uh, anecdotal evidence suggests that uh, round trees in Terry's were very resistant to any other big businesses yeah, yeah. to the cities. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people say um, that they blocked plans for the Ford Motor Company to build quite a large factory at York in mm. the late 1960s mm. because there was always quite a rich tradition of uh, automotive part supplies in York. So Ford apparently yeah. was going to build a plant here and uh, they stepped in very rapidly and made sure that didn't happen so there was no pressure on their wages. Yeah. And also the university is now expanding at a massive rate of knots but they also think that they put the brakes on some of the uh, university expansion as well for the same reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It, could have, it could have also been the social aspect as well in that, you know, uh, certainly round trees, you know, they had their own theatre and, you know, created social clubs and, 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 and sporting facilities like bowling greens. So instead of what you would normally do in your, out, in your not your work time and your, your downtime, the normal thing would be to do, go to the pub. But I suppose if these, if these uh, employees were offering a lot of other um, alternatives, just 
going to the pub to see your friends, you know, um, then that was something as well. There wasn't a need for, 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 for brewing as such, but although, you know, there were a lot of pubs in town. Um, it's, yeah, that's, that's the other amazing thing that, you know, there are still so many pubs and a lot of those pubs are historical, you know, going right the way back and yet makes you wonder where they did get the beer from, really. Yeah, but I was thinking about well, British. I mean, York hasn't. I mean, York is. I think you're right there with the culture thing. York's quite a highbrow kind of city, isn't it? Opera house and theatres, museums, um, lots of green spaces you can walk around. And I guess, Bruce, there's no kind of. I'm thinking that you know, in, York, in, in Leeds, you've got like Gipton. Uh, in Manchester, you've kind of got, um, uh, you know, Moss Side. York hasn't got really a Moss Side, has it, or a Gipton no, no, like Leeds not. has. It hasn't got those big estates of working class guys yes there are some estates in york but even like you said a lot of them are were kind of garden city kind of estates weren't they and right, and absolutely. round trees and terries were also about the whole uh the holistic view you know they were educated with there were institutes for learning music uh the arts so that was all there as well yeah let's talk a little bit about york brewery brews because again there's a there's a bit of a history there isn't there that uh, there was a fairly good you know standard you know successful brewery in york it was founded by a fellow called Tony Thompson in the um, uh, late 1980s. Uh, they started brewing at Toft Green, a uh, cracking little brewery. Uh, some great uh, brews going there for a while and just totted along and then built up to an estate of uh, four pubs eventually, including that one in Leeds. Uh, they brewed a Guzzler, which was great. They brewed a fantastic uh, beer at Christmas, uh, Snowflake, um, which was amazing. It's similar to come out at Christmas. And seemed to go along quite nicely, but obviously they got older and accepted an offer from uh, Black Sheep, uh, who were, oh, sorry, from Lancaster Brewery initially. Yeah. Mitchell's so, on it, bros. Yeah, Mitchell's. So Mitchell's from Lancaster, yes, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and again, things were left pretty much uh, unchanged in their hands. And of course, a whole new market was developed for all the Yorkbury beers. They put them in all the Mitchell's hotels. They were predominantly a, a hotel business. But sadly, uh, I believe they went into uh, administration, I think, didn't they? Mm. So that then caused the brewery to be closed. Uh, Black Sheep came in, which on the face of it, you would think uh, was quite a, a good move, really. You know, heritage of brewing there. Um, but sadly, um, they weren't there too long at all before they announced they were closing the brewery. Uh, and it's now production's uh, moved uh, out of York, sadly. Uh, the brewery building's still there. I mean, it's bizarre, really, because they had a successful business. They, there were five brewery tours a day. Uh, mm -hmm. Running in that brewery, mm -hmm. which you know were a great source of revenue, I'm sure they were. I'm sure on a weekend, uh, Saturday, they were getting hundreds of people a day, and it seemed to be a really good earner. They had a successful uh, tap room there as well. I say no delivery cost in over the beer, uh, but the whole lot's left the city now, which is really quite a shame. Yeah. And, uh, I guess about what five six years ago you would have put that on this probably this tour, wouldn't you? Because it's that side of the river, isn't it? You'd have probably had it. Yeah, absolutely. One of your... Yeah, yeah. Do I remember? Was it I mean, kind of a members? Was it kind of a members club pub? It was. Yeah. It was very cheap to join, though. It was about yeah. five. It was about five pound a year to join. Um, but I mean, unlike some brewery taps which we've been to, some are, you know, some of these breweries are in industrial estates and they're like quite austere add-ons to a shop. You know, various other taps are really quite disappointing. It felt like a proper brewery tap room. You know, it did yeah. feel as though you were really in a drinking that was yeah. that was part of the brewery, not just an add-on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was comfortable. It was it was great. A real sad yeah. loss. In in the latter years, they did relax the membership rules as well. I think they basically threw camera. They said, "If you're a member of camera, you can you can go yeah. there." Uh, I I picked up a bottle of Guzzler the other day, and I'm afraid to say it was a 
sad shadow of its former self again because yeah. there's yeah. always been a lighty beer three and a half percent so I think it was middle of last week I thought yeah just have a beer middle of last week when we weren't doing the podcast uh, and I say I've got a bottle of Guzzler and compared to what it used to be like I'm afraid ooh, it was very metallic I mean, and wasn't nice you just kind of it's a, you know right along beers is about passion isn't it you know if you're brewing your York beer great if you're if you're a black sheep, you've got some fantastic beers that you're passionate about that you've you know you've brewed, and it must be quite hard then to have that same passion for a kind of a cuckoo brewer that's you know you're pushing out something. Now, what about Rudgate Brews? Because obviously, and again, maybe talk to us about Jorvik, which again is one of their beers. And well, Tok is a, a big expanding village, uh, five six miles out of York, midway between York and Weatherby, and again, this is one of these uh, breweries that's uh, situated. Uh, on an industrial estate, uh, because the price of property uh, in York so expensive, what you've seen is that many, you know, probably a good case in point. They probably would have been a York-based business 10, 15 years ago, but like so many businesses, uh, with the expanding city and the cost of houses, we're seeing entire warehouses being demolished and houses put there. Uh, so even the warehousing businesses now and the factories are all gradually leaving York, and uh, one of the big beneficiaries has been the village of Tockwith. Uh, talk with a real traditional sort of agricultural based village um, that's expanding at a massive rate of knots now when it's quite a large industrial estate up there as well uh, and so they've gone out there but this is a cracking brewery's Rudgate now I mean they've got yeah. four or five uh, key brews haven't they the um, uh, Ruby Hills uh, fantastic isn't it so what about that name Yorvik Bruce I mean, perhaps just commented a couple of names about York well, anybody who knows history should surely not need explaining the origin of Yorvik because Vikings Bruce uh... we have listeners in America and in Spain remember so Yorvik <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah. was the Viking, the Viking name wasn't it for York, York yes, and sure Ibarakum sure. was the Roman name wasn't it for York and I guess that York is a basically it's basically Yorvik shortened or Anglo-Saxonised isn't it to become York that we now have and I've just cracked on my York brewery my fairy tale of brew york and yeah it definitely smells i'm not getting any peanuts but i've got some pecan and maple right. definitely it's very nice yeah very nice right so bruce sorry we're back to the the trip then so you're staggered out of the train um you've you've kept away from people throwing up over the train which you've talked to us before about <laughs> that's right being on the, on the rail so you don't even have to leave the station you just have to find platform uh far and you'll be the opposite side. I did try to take a shot, actually, uh, the uh, station entrance, station side entrance uh, to the Alt Tap, but there was a policeman uh, uh, who wouldn't let me ride my bike <laughs> to the station. I explained what I was doing, and he still wouldn't let me in, which that was really mean, so I could only get the exterior shot. Uh, so, probably a lager drinker, bros. <laughs> now, this this has always been, this was a refreshment room. I mean, we I never remember it as refreshment rooms. I always remember it. They used to have a model railway, and it did for most of its It was, it was we a fantastic were. model railway as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you say, probably about 10 years ago, it became, uh, the tap took over it. Is that right? Yeah, it is. And it, was and it I mean, they kept it pretty faithful as well. I mean, uh, they've spent an awful lot of money uh, maintaining, not really, uh, uh, preserving it is the word, of course, I'm looking for. Um, yeah. Uh, it's an unusual place, actually. Uh, it, yeah. It does bring mixed opinions. They have a mm. stunning range of beers on there. They've got blackboards outside the bar. And they never have any less than about uh, 18 to 24 real ales on, uh, some affordable session drinking ales, some rare beers. I mean, you know, the commitment to real ale is it's stunning, really, the people are under the taps. And I think this is the biggest uh, range of any of them. I think they have more here than the yeah. Sheffield than they used to. Uh, was, was, it, was it that Pivovar company that began? It is, yeah. Taps? 
So, of course, these mm. are the chaps who run uh, Peveney. Uh, they run the, uh, the two, they have links with Taproom Company. They've got links with Thornbridge now as well. They've got another yeah. uh, Barry York, which I mentioned in a few weeks' time. And these chaps also import uh, Barnard, uh, Checker, Pilsner beer, uh, which is a great yeah. beer. And because they uh, import it and sell it, you also get it at a really great price as well. So again, I remember right, there's a circular bar in here. This this kind of two halves, isn't it, to the building? It's kind of the the station side is quite a large, kind of overly room with a big oval window anyway, and then there's a smaller bar on this side. Isn't there? Is I remember that right? Yeah, that's right. It, like an bar, but yeah, bar. I mean it, it, it's open plan, but it's, it's it's on two sides, isn't it? The yeah. bar kind of goes in a circle, doesn't it? There's like a, is that, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm yeah. a dreaming yeah. this. Uh, yeah, but it's sort of a D shape. Yeah, yeah, and. Like you say, Bruce, from out of there, you're on, well, the walls will be in front. If you come out of that door there, the walls, there, the walls will be facing in front of you. I should mention about the York Tappers, because uh, everybody local, um, there's always a long run debate about the losing the York Tapper. <laughs> uh, the commitment to Rayleigh is fantastic. The choice is fantastic. But obviously, it's a very old uh, building, and they really do struggle with stopping the loose. Yeah. Don't be surprised if you go in so, there. Uh, my I'm tip not- is, if you, if you walk out the station and turn right, there's some gents just about, in fact, we can bust some, probably see them on that picture. Isn't there? There's, there's some <laughs> gents almost right in front of the, York tap on the station, and if, if it's not a, a, a racist day, you can normally walk in off the station, can't you? Can you uh, okay, so I mean, we're, we're... Can, I, can I just say, I mean, that's that that would be my point, Bruce. I mean, yeah, you, you've said you know they've put a hell of a lot of money into just to preserving the building, but compared to some of their other outlets, it's it's one of my least favorites. I still just think when you go in there, it's a bit tatty compared to 71, they've got Harrogate and the Sheffield one as well. And as I say, it may not be there, you know, it's not their fault, uh, obviously, what they started with. Was was really a, a building that had been allowed to uh, degrade and deteriorate for many, 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 many years, and I think it's it's the the infrastructure that you know they would have to give it a complete makeup, and then other people would turn around and say, well, it spoilt it, you know, you, you've 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 made it all new, but yeah, I would never not go in there because it's always so handy for when I'm say, on the train, even when I'm meeting you, like, but uh, out of out of their taps, it's it's probably yeah, halfway down the list as far as I'm concerned. I understand there were massive restrictions on what they could and couldn't do in that building, though, in the, in the defence. I think there was there were, there were things yeah, they possibly may want yeah. to offer. Mm-hmm. I I'm assuming it's great to list it. It's got to be. I mean, it's part of the station, yeah, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> so, Bruce, I think we're going to turn right here out of the station. Is that right? Uh, from here, no, no, we're going to go out here and we're going to go. Oh, left. no, we're going to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to turn left out of the station and uh, so you'll walk actually just under uh, the walls, uh, follow the road round. Uh, and then just the daffodils out. will be out this time of year, won't they? All uh, yeah, the late this year, actually, they're coming. All right, uh, of course, the mild winters, uh, we've had yeah. only been at the end of February, but uh, yeah, uh, they're coming out I, now. I just look at this picture. Sorry, this I've just reminded me well, you sent me these pictures this afternoon, and I started looking at them and putting them on the thing. And I just everyone's got the fecking curtains, you know, it just reminded oh, yeah, me, you know, what awesome. a bloody shame. This is a cracking pub that'll be buzzing, you know, 24 7, and yet yeah. look. Look at it. It's and then the, the, the ship in a minute. It just makes you feel just bloody horrible. He just right. I mean, I wrote, I left work last night because I'm working in the office still. I left work at five o'clock. Whizzed about y'all coming back doing this, and it has it got increasingly uh, more depressing. Just taking pictures of closed pubs, really. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, you saw the hanging baskets all dead and withered. Uh, you know, sort of muck accumulating a bit, uh, and then it, really, there's nothing more uh, sadder than a closed yeah. pub. Yeah. Uh, so, so say you come under the room, you come out of the station, you turn left, it's full the walls down, full the road round, you'll go under the big arch, and right in front of you, uh, you'll see uh, the uh, Maltings just a dip down there. The river's actually about uh, 100 yards to the left. 
lots of so we're not crossing the river tonight. So the Maltins uh, <laughs> quite a nondescript, uh, almost ugly building, you have to say. Uh, now, this used to be a, a bass pump called the Lendl to, till about, oh, crikey. The Lendl Bridge, Bruce. The Lendl Bridge, about. It used to be a popular haunt for prostitutes, I'm told. Uh, yes, I have heard that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, obviously down under the river under the bridges was a good place for them to, yeah. uh, to ply their trade, as it were. I only ever went in once, but uh, it was quite cosy and uh, the clientele were friendly. We don't know now by the way. Especially the women. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but obviously a fellow called Sean uh, and his wife, yeah. Matthew, they took some, it must be, what, 25, 30, 20? Uh, they, they put big, big big ads in our uh, camera magazine when it was the birthday. I think it's 30 years ago now. And, you know, yeah. this time, you know, Rail Ale was been to grow. And they were yeah. about to start. It was a massive advocate for Rail Ale. And yeah. for all that time now, we've just had a constantly changing array of rail ales, really well kept, uh, really good food that his uh, wife turns out from the kitchen, uh, very affordable food by York standards. Uh, the chilies are uh, legendary. Uh, if you're going to try all these um, uh, pubs and you tried the chili early on for some lunch, it is going to have a real detrimental effect on you later. It's uh, legendary for its hotness, it's uh, chilli. But again, it's a bit uh, slightly extended now to have an outdoor area there just yeah, to, uh, right. to the left. But I say this is a real staple of the York Rail Hill scene. It's really atmospheric inside. Uh, despite its extension, there's only enamel signs everywhere. Uh, some really interesting beer choices. I think he's got real cider on there. Uh, yeah, and the beer, the beer has always been... I've always probably met you in there, Bruce, when I've got off yeah. the train. And I've got to say, I've never had a bad pint. Yeah, really, really good. Now, Bruce, you've got to explain this. Well, yes, I, 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 I've not been so long since I've been in these pubs now. Why is it? Why is it there? Yes. <laughs> so, if you look at, if I take it back off again, if you if you're looking at the YouTube on the right hand side where that low window is, where the black sheep sign is, if you if you went if you jump through that window and and look down, you would see this, which again for those of you on the podcast is a toilet seat. A, t- a full toilet, sorry. The full toilet. The yeah. full toilet. Yeah. So there's a table, there's a table and a bench next to it. And then in the corner by that window, there is a proper toilet with a wooden lid. And I think it's probably a, an old British rail toilet. And there are signs in the back a bit about bloody British rail toilets and things. Uh, and at the end, the, the pride of the public is built to sit on that and drink a pint sitting on the on the bog. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't sit on it. So I've sat on it a couple of times when all the other seats have been taken. Yeah. Some people are self-conscious. They don't, no, I don't sit know. in the toilet and have a pint, but I, I've got no problems. Obviously, obviously Sean, the Sean is the legendary landlord, isn't he, of the Maltins? So. He is. Yeah. He's, a very, he's a large and life character. He calls a spade a spade. He won't tolerate swearing in the pub, uh, but um, I don't think that rule applies to him, really. Uh, hey, he uses <laughs> swearing when he's putting the adverts in the who's boozer, isn't he? <laughs> no. uh, it's I don't know what the... As well, I mean, if you've got a weekend, obviously on a weekend, York was a, a mad party town, uh, and this is pretty much the first part of call. But yeah. he, they do, he doesn't let them in there. So even on a Saturday, when you see the hordes of people, uh, they've got to be very well behaved uh, to get in there. Yeah, all. it's an incredibly well pleased. It's, it's never a rowdy pub, is it? But they will have the public. Have you gone on a Saturday? They probably will have bounce on the door. What they probably have door staff. They do, yeah, on the it, door. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so going a week, and I don't know what the story is about at all. I don't. I just just one of those eccentric things, isn't it? Like you yeah. say, the pub's full of eccentric bits and pieces, isn't it? Hanging off the walls and everything. Uh, wooden doors on the roofs. A lot of. Uh, I like it because obviously I like my brewery in here yeah. and uh, memorabilia. So he's got old uh, vending machines, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you can sit in there on your own and gaze around the pub without uh, fear that somebody's going to wonder that you're staring at them and saying what you're looking yeah. at. 
so no, I, it's it is it's it's a pub that we've always gone into, and once again, it's it's somewhere that I would always go into as well. And that outside area on a nice day is benefit from extension because it was always quite a small pub. It was a, a, literally a one room pub. And that was a thing when it was popular, it was busy. So he's got yeah. a little bit more extra breathing space now, which is good. And, and as Bruce said, the, the river literally is about another hundred yards on your left there. So you could walk down and look at the river. There'd be obviously lots of boats normally in rowing. And you, if you up on that uh, bridge there, you get a fantastic view. The mints, the mints are just kind of gleaming at you in front of it, isn't it? The, the kind of front towers. So Bruce, where would you would you carry on down the river or would you kind well, of go no, back? What, what I do in this case, because remember we're... Um, on the west side, can't of cross the river. You can't cross the no, river. I meant, I meant walking down by the south. By the river, and we'd turn left. Now, normally, before we move on up to our next stop, it's worth pointing out that to got the Bolton turn left, there's a huge office block now staring you in the face. This has been turned into a Malmaison hotel, um, which of course normally wouldn't interest us, but uh, the people who developed Malmaison Hotel, uh, which is about I think 11, 12, or 13. Um, 10 or 11 stories high. Uh, mm. They've actually eaten, they're actually installing a roof bar on there, hopefully in time to open it in a few weeks' time. Mm. Uh, uh, mm. So that could be an astonishing well, just, just look at that picture there, Bruce. Obviously, the mountains has got a flat roof. I'm I was surprised. thinking the very same thing. Yeah. You wouldn't think that. That'd that make a cracking roof terrace. Was, it? Um, was, is Bono involved with Mount? I've got in my head that Bono's got something to do with Malmaison. Oh, right. oh, you two, you two. I don't, I don't know. I'm picking that up. Uh, and also, Bruce, the uh, the Grand York Hotel is up there as well, isn't it? And all the old railway the old headquarters of the uh, yeah. uh, London Northeastern Railway. Um, fantastic um, building. Uh, York's only five star hotel currently, uh, but you can really see the railway influencing it there. There's a great sort of also grand. Don't go in there for a beer. Austerity. <laughs> well, I'm saying, Bruce, you've drank in there for a beer a few times, Bruce, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Just, I think just to sit in the lovely lounge. I think. Yeah, I well, the only time we went in there, I had to buy the round, and that's all I'm saying. I'm not going in there again. <laughs> uh, but by York stand, it's not too outraged. I mean, you're sitting in a piece of history as well, aren't you, really? Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that. So I'll say, um, obviously, Malmaison might be worth going. Uh, I think getting a seat on that roof uh, terrace. Yeah. You have a, well, that will offer stunning views of the Minster. Interestingly enough, uh, beyond the Malmaison is the uh, Five Star Grand Hotel. That's its neighbour. So they're going to be the Five Star Hotel with their <laughs> views blocked now. <laughs> I'll do always swear, to be fair, by the Malmaison Hotel beyond there looking down. Then from Five Stars, let's go to Trafalgar Bay. No, no, we're going to go now. <laughs> what we'll do is we'll come out the Maltings and actually we'd then um, uh, take a, a, we'd go left, we'd go along uh, Rougier Street. Um, and uh, when we get to Rougier Street, we would then take a little turn uh, right and you'd be at the bottom of uh, Micklegate. Uh, Micklegate, one of York's, uh, used one of York's greatest drinking streets. Uh, and sadly now uh, it's lost its finest pub brigantes. That closed down about, now 12 months ago, they announced we weren't reopening uh, because they were faced with an insane rent increase. Uh, that was a fantastic pub, great choice to be. It's one of the market town taverns, the people run things like the Tithe Hat and Bart Hat, uh, uh, what's the pub in Skipton the owner? But sadly, that's gone now. Narrowboat. Uh, Narrowboat. There's a brew dog pub uh, down on Micklegate yeah. there as well. Uh, they've got spoons at the end of it. Some great restaurants, but sadly nowhere 
where the... But again, Bruce, it is probably worth mentioning that uh, is that is it Micklegate at that end? What's that? Because again, one thing you've got you've got to look out for York. We've mentioned it, the Wall City, but you still got it's got the old gate as it literally has it got does, the yeah. old gates. And I think the North and South gates, and this is the South gate we're at now, are probably the best ones, aren't they? So you have got Monk's Bar at the top end. What is it? Is it at Micklegate? Is that what it's called? I can't what it's called that one. Well, the bar is at these. We've got Micklegate Bar. Mm. Micklegate Bar, yeah, yeah, uh, Monk, yeah. Monk Bar, yeah. Uh, well, get back and, and if you think of like a little mini castle with a road that goes straight through the middle of them, that's kind of what you've got, isn't it? It's uh, of course, they the are gate fantastic. came down and barred the entrance, and that's yeah, where yeah, lock, lock, lock you all in at night and keep you, keep you lot out, keep you lot from making them out. <laughs> so, for the purpose of this trip, we're not going to go to the end of Micklegate, you can do that sometimes. So, go to Micklegate, and then you'd turn you'd see a little, very sharp, uh, uh, cobbled, um, almost alley, uh, on your left. And that will be St. Martin's Lane. And you go down there for about 100 yards and you'll come to the Acorn, which is next pub on our trip. Nick, oh, Nick, I mean, you got me the wrong way around then. Got the wrong pub on there. <laughs> you you, <laughs> so, yeah. sent, you sent me in this order, right, Acorn. <laughs> so, so this is, so yeah, uh, if you're on YouTube, that's from the opposite end. Uh, so the Acorn, a fantastic pub, quite unique. Uh, does it see any sunlight at all now? Because it's down this uh, almost Dickensian alley now. Mm. I mean, 25, 30 years ago, those uh, narrow houses at the end of it, they were sort of tenements and were still being uh, uh, used as tenements about 30 years ago. Some of the worst houses in the city, obviously, they've been sold or gentrified now. Uh, but St. Martin's Lane, cracking little place now. And with it... But again, if you get here in the night, Bruce, isn't there? there's a little old-fashioned street light at the end of that street. Is, yeah, absolutely. And it, and it is like literally going back into Dickens or probably... Yeah, atmospheric. Sweet or something. Really, really mm. atmospheric, yeah. yeah. Really the name, the name's... I always, I always thought it was the Acorn, but it's not. It is the Acorn, isn't it? I don't know where that yeah, Well, it really was the Acorn, and that was a Cameron's Tide house. Uh, right. And then... Um, uh, I think Cameron's uh, decided to close it down because obviously not a great deal of passing trade down there, was there? Uh, and then uh, it became one again of the stalwarts of the sort of real ale revival as the Acorn. Yeah. It's a narrow, um, traditional uh, one-room pub now, uh, wooden yeah. floorboards, fantastic uh, varying choice of real ales. It's got a small... Rooster's Yankee. Oh. They always used to have Rooster's Yankee yeah, on there. Um, yeah, one of the first game, place yeah. you could get Rooster's yeah. Yankee. Yeah. Again, incredibly well kept beer and got a great little terrace outside as well on a sunny day. You wouldn't think it looking at there, but there's a, a terrace that's uh, sort of elevated a bit. And if you get outside on a sunny day, it's actually a lovely, lovely sun trap. Uh, they also do a great staple food. It does a great quiz on a Sunday night as well. And definitely one for this trip as well. That is a cracking yeah. pub, uh, Akon. So from the yeah. Akon, we'd come out. I've had, I've had, now, I've had another picture there. Oh, yes. Oh, sorry, yeah. I do remember, uh, again... I'm, back to Nick's point about uh, space and lack of space in a medieval town. The Akon has got its cellar uh, literally underneath the bar and it's got a trap door. And I don't, and Nick, I don't remember that. I remember one of the barmaids falling down that bloody door. It's one of those, and I think, I, I, I tried to find a picture. I've got to think that might be it, that because I'm, I'm thinking that I have sat in that corner there. So um, those, are, again, on YouTube, <coughs> the cellar door is literally in the floor. It's one of those kind of old trap doors. Yeah, in the bar. And and I remember we'd been in there one day when it was up because somebody got into the cellar and one of the other girls behind the bar bloody fell down it. Wow. Now and this and it's always a bit of a myth, I think, that they always have this thing about oh it falls down. Uh, but it must be a thing in York because doing a bit of research, I came across this in the evening press that back in 2018 at the last <laughs> drop-in, which is one of the yeah. York brewery pubs that, that Bruce mentioned, similar thing happened there as well in that one of the bar staff fell, fell down the bloody bar, you know, the trap door to the oh. cellar. 
and, yeah. and in the end, they had to pay out forty-four thousand pounds as damages to this uh, this particular uh, person that fell down. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, delivery driver. Sorry, delivery driver. Um, so it's a thing in York pubs is that look out for where the bloody cellar doors are because you might end up falling down. But I always <laughs> remember being in that pub. They like, say it's dead narrow, and we just heard this scream. And I think luckily she managed to kind of stop herself. Um, and you see, there are stairs there. But yeah, I always remember that trap door in the bloody the behind the bar there. So look out for that. Well, they have somebody with very small feet. Look how steep. I'm, it is. I know. I know. Well, like Nick Seller, where Nick is today, Seller like that. <laughs> right, Bruce, where are we going next? Because I've queued these up probably the wrong way then. So, okay, give me so, a clue. On the, so we're going to go ahead and make our way next to uh, the Golden Ball. So we come out of the icon and we turn right to uh, continue away from uh, Mikkel Gate and we'd walk about, oh, uh, that's not it. Uh, 300 metres. And that'll bring us down into Bishop Hill. So we're now deep within, you all remember now. And Bishop Hill is a lovely residential area. Uh, little terraces, fantastic ah, houses. So yeah. look at it. And this I'm is the name And if yeah. you think of the epitome of a, a classic street corner local <laughs> in your head, it'll be something like the Golden Ball. Uh, this really is a junction of two streets. Across that junction, it's got beautiful glazed red tile bricks around it, and some fantastic original restored John Smith's Tadcaster Hills and Stouts signage. I mean, it's a fantastic looking pub, both on the outside and on the inside as well. On the inside, you've got four different rooms. You've got uh, a bar um, again uh, that has um, a real fire in it. Uh, there's a little. Uh, They've got a great atmosphere in there. There's a fantastic little snug with its uh, own entrance that goes on the other side of the bar. Uh, there's a, a room um, where that's uh, really comfortable, uh, all dark wood. The furniture's been uh, restored. It's so atmospheric. Uh, they get Irish music in there on a, a Sunday night um, and folk music on a Sunday night. And then a great. Uh, it's got another room as well, actually, which I've forgotten about, a more modern, which came on the extension again. Great room there. So far as their loads room and a fantastic uh, outdoor area as well. It's got quite a large uh, beer garden, uh, little bit in summer, and also a fantastic range of uh, rail ales rotating all the time. Really support the local ale movement. Uh, and important to note, this is actually a community-owned pub as well. I think it's got about um, uh, 1,500 shareholders, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. own shares, all from the Bishop area in the Golden Ball. Uh, so a real community enterprise. Um, um, if you come to York, one you've absolutely got to visit. Really, do I remember you taking us there? Because they did, did they do some kind of special chip or something, Bruce? If I remember rightly, many mm-hmm. moons ago, I'm sure mm-hmm. you took us in there for some reason that they did yeah. something like dripping in chips or something. And I remember going there on probably a Saturday night when it was absolutely like you said, it was rammed. It was absolutely buzzing. Oh, um, I don't remember that. No, you know, I and there was something where you took us there that they did on a on a particular night. And this is this is quite near the river, isn't it? To, to, to oh, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, this just is get, to just get flooded then, in, and you've had the floods in York. Uh, I mean, it's still to get very close by gets flooded. Uh, it'd right. be pretty calamitous if it got up this far because this is yeah. a gently rising hill. Yeah. But uh, so in the Bishop Hill area now, uh, Skeldergate's on there. Skeldergate gets flooded really, really yeah. heavily. Yeah. The Golden yeah. Ball would stay dry. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, seems strange to tell people this now, but uh, uh, until about, I don't know how many years ago now, probably 10 years ago, John Smith used to brew uh, Magnet Ale, uh, and that was a fantastic beer. It was full body. Uh, sadly, they're no longer brewing at all. Um, 
and uh, I have to believe it is say John Smith's talk about brewing a great beer, but a proper pattern magnet was. And I um, I love that above the door, the jug and bottle department, which I guess I guess is where you went and filled up your. Yeah. Your, your, your... That was a takeaway. Yeah. Yeah, takeaway. Yeah. Okay, right, Bruce. Where are we going next? Okay, so from the Golden Ball, we're going to come out and we're going to turn um, uh, left. Uh, along uh, Victor Street. Um, uh, we're still in Bishop area, but go ahead for Victor Street, then head to, you'll see the walls uh, right in front of you. Just head through the walls, look to your right, and you'll see our next pub, the Trafalgar Bay. So the Trafalgar Bay uh, stands alone there on Nunnery Lane. Nunnery Lane now is one of the main arches of the city. There's a permanent traffic jam there normally, because I took this in lockdown, uh, even in rush hour last night there, not a car to be seen. And the Trafalgar Bay, uh, they're locked up. So I say, you can't talk about pubs in York without uh, touching on some of Sam Smith's pubs. Uh, again, uh, totally unique company, uh, unique uh, owner. Uh, um, we could talk about him all night. And the Trafalgar Bay kind of sums up in a way, really. I mean, this is a traditional um, forum pub now. Um, never that busy now, Sally, because I fear an awful lot of it's... Uh, Big drinkers over the last few years of each age where they're no longer with us sadly but despite the dwindling numbers uh, mr smith keeps it open uh, now it was open plan until about three years ago when mr smith decided to restore uh, uh, uh put another wall back in and make it into small rooms again and while normally it all before that in this case i don't actually think he lost a little bit of something about it because um, the, the room's now a bit austere. What I would say about the Trafalgar Bay, though, is that if you're in York and it's a cold, freezing night, and you may be staying up on Blossom Street in one of the Premier Inns up there or something, or you're doing this trip, if it's a freezing cold winter's night, you're going to Trafalgar Bay, and it will be like a furnace. Because uh, Mr Smith insists on uh, having the temperatures lit, if the predicted temperature is beneath a certain temperature, and the Trafalgar Bay actually has three uh, rail fires in it. So you go in there, there's a small uh, room to your um, uh, left-hand side that has its own coal fire. It only has two or three tables in that room, uh, but it's got its own coal fire. Uh, then you've got um, a fire that serves two rooms, a huge fire. This place is like a furnace. Again, you've got full range. Of, uh, this has a bigger range of Samson in a lot of them. The couple right now are trying hard to... Um, make it a real uh, vibrant pub again. They open up during the day, let community groups in for all sorts of things. Uh, and if you're in York and you want to go somewhere uh, for a chat, no distractions, no music, it's either Sam Smith sales. Trafalgar Bay is a good place to go, say, but particularly uh, on a colder winter's night. And I said, it does break up that journey from Nunnery Lane. If you're going from town down Nunnery Lane towards Bishop Hill, uh, towards Bishop Thorpe Road, which I know lots of people will do, it breaks it up. But I say, for the purposes of our uh, trip, it acts as a, uh, a stopping point between uh, Bishop Hill and the Golden Ball and our next pub, which is down in the... Uh, now, just while we're there, but the bar convent's on the right of this, isn't it? Is that right? Am I right? Uh, the bar convent to be the left of this, actually. Left head, this, sorry, head yeah. Towards town. Yeah. The bar convent is on the... Uh, you can actually stay there, can't you? If, if you want to kind of have a, have a you know, a joint. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Very saintly. Yeah. And then... I mean, it's quite well, famous, the bar convent, isn't it? It's Mary Ward was a very famous uh, Catholic educationist that was... She was there for a while. Yeah, and once again, you look at that building again. If you take away the hanging pub sign and the hanging basket, you wouldn't know it's a pub. Yeah, you wouldn't know it's a pub at all, would you? There's no etched windows, there's no sky spots available here, there's no TV, there's no quiz night posters in the windows, there's absolutely nothing, no brandy or anything, is there? No. Uh, and again, you know. if you if you were driving to York, there's a really good car park across from this, isn't it? On this on the lane that yeah, is not a bad place. Yeah, doing these pubs really, 
would be if you somebody was driving for you. Okay, Bruce. So where are we going next? We're going to carry on down. Well, if you can resist temptation, go look at uh, Margaret uh, Clitheroe's withered hand in the back on them. I remember the, there was a relic, and I can't remember who it was. That's yeah. right, Margaret Clitheroe. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> her hands yeah. in there. She was a uh, yeah, uh, crushed uh, under the rocks. Uh, rocks. That's right. She was placed beneath the door. And rocks were then placed on her by the banks of the river Ouse. Yes, just this was apart from a hand. Days, yeah, and the hand still there now was a was a mark of her uh, martyrism. Yeah. Okay, so you come out to Falga Bay, you come out of the end, you turn right again away from the city, uh, and just keep heading right down there. Uh, you would pass uh, the Victoria Vaults, publishers of great music. You'd also pass sadly the old Eber, a pub that's never going to see the light of day again. The old Eber was a, um, that usual which have been a ri- uh, down to heel working class pub that really championed rail ale. Uh, and so you could go in there last year and get a, there was a choice of five or six rail ales, and they were knocking them out with £2.60 a pint when they're about four, four pounds fifty in the city. So the old Eber will be missed. But anyway, you press on down uh, to uh, uh, Clement Thorpe and Bishop Thorpe Road area, uh, and uh, Bishop Thorpe, the Bishop Thorpe Road shops has actually been voted uh, the finest high street in the country. Uh, it's referred to as York's Notting Hill area, uh, Bishop Bart Road. The house prices are extortionate, and it's got this uh, row of uh, shops, two-side road, full of great independent shops, local food shops. Uh, it's a really vibrant area. Bishy but, uh, Road, Bruce. I thought you were saying it's going to refer to Bishy Road. Bishy road I'd like to refer to, yeah. yeah Cause a lot of jealousy in York, so we won't dwell on it. But uh, they are very fortunate that they've got some of the best pubs in York there. Uh, the Swan, which will be our next port of call, on this uh, trip. There we are. There. There we are. Yeah, so this is this one. Again, another fantastic street corner local. And this uh, former Tetley Heritage pub is now yeah. incredibly run by uh, Chapel mm. Invest Tetley York pubs. And this is a great example of what they used to refer to as a corridor pub. Mm. And you go in there, there's a wide corridor uh, that has also acts as a huge area for people to drink as well. So the corridor, if you like, is oversized, but it does give way to two traditional uh, uh, drinking rooms. Yeah, great atmosphere, fantastic bar, uh, huge uh, supporters of a uh, rail ale, um, wide choice. And the people who run this also uh, own the York Gin Company as well. So... Um, they also have the full range of gins on as well. Uh, the lots of food in the Swan now is reduces up now as little bits keep going. Um, is a strong. I think he's a huge critic of the uh, government's policies towards pub reopening and how they've handled the lockdowns. And uh, there's always our local papers saying, uh, you know, this is a epic struggle to stay afloat at times like this. Uh, he has a very small beer garden in the Swan, but not enough, I don't think, to justify reopening again on April twelfth. Sadly. Uh, but say uh, this is a classic, classic pub. Um, always full of people, a great friendly crowd in there, though. They'd be made more than welcome. Great choice of rail ales. Quite small, though, isn't it? It's not, it's not, not huge, is it? You, you know, no, but I'm on the bikes are quite fair all size, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah and all, unfortunately, he's not gonna be able to put tables and chairs out because it's a busy junction that yeah. in the Yeah, yeah. I say, but an awful yeah. lot of original I've, features in there, and I say, yeah, it was one yeah I think, um. I think Nick, me and you were like, I think on a Saturday lunchtime, which is a great time to go, really, because like you say, there's people popping in with the shopping. Yeah. I think it's that yeah. kind of pub where they buy the papers and they, they put the papers on the bar and you could sit down. It is that me. classic, that classic layout. I remember we had a conversation about uh, Taylor's Landlord. Uh, yeah. we, we went in there and he had that's it on right. and I said, I, right. said, I haven't tried it for ages. That's so right. I hope it's like yeah. it used to be. Yeah, and it, it was, right. it was a good pint. It still yeah. wasn't like we remember it in the 1990s, but... Uh, 
we had a good chat yeah. with the lad behind the bar. I don't know whether he was the landlord, but he That's was certainly right, knowledgeable yeah. on his beer. So, yeah. yeah. And I just remember sitting there and reading the because I don't know, they had the garden at the time and stuff. It was nice to sit and have a nice Saturday at yeah. the papers. And then we wandered back into town. Okay, yeah. moving on then, Bruce. Okay, so resist the temptation to go left to Bishop Road Shops. You'd come out, you'd turn right, and then you'd go downhill. Uh, uh, so you come out of the Swan, turn right down the street there, the small street, the residential street, uh, and you start going downhill, you would see the river at the bottom of the hill. But before you reach the river, you would see the slip in on your left-hand side. So the slip then, uh, probably uh, one of York's uh, least uh, well-known railway pubs. And it was a pub that just tooted along with regulars for years and years. And then it closed and the gentleman, Pete Crosman, uh, and his business partner who owned uh, the Swan, uh, they thought, you know, it'd be great to take over the slip as well and bring it back to its uh, glory. So, yeah. Classic looking uh, little, uh, lovely little pub in it. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, going there and I say fantastic range of rail ales. It's a big residential one. area, and there's, there's yeah. a new build around there in the Bruce. Yeah, an awful lot of posh partners going up around it, but the traditional estate yeah. still there. And again, the river yeah. is just terraces, and yeah, it's literally about uh, seventy-five meters to your right there. And so, yeah. and I say probably one you may miss on your trail, but going there and I say it's a great cracking little booze, great house again. Full of people, friendly crowd, uh, quite a large um, outdoor area, actually, courtyard at the back. They may get away with the reopening, hope they do. Um, but definitely one to put on uh, the visit and say so that would be the final one of our western side uh, river uh, trip. If you're coming around the city and you're picking some of these out and doing a circular tour, we'll resume here next time and then go the, and cross over the river over the Millennium Bridge. Okay, okay. So Stuff. before. So that was those seven. And finally, very briefly, we thought as an alternative, if you need to add on to that, um, if you're leaving the uh, station and uh, you've got a bit more time to kill, and we'd say staying at the city centre, there's a little trail down the Holgate Road as well. Three pubs, sadly, we've not got pictures of two of them. Um, I mentioned it tonight, but the landlord was outside one of them and he, he's a big Glaswegian. I thought he might think it's a bit funny taking pictures. Didn't say to you, listen, we're going to be, we're going to be doing a podcast about your pub. I know, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so follow the road from the station go around past the Everyman Cinema you go to Blossom Street rather Everyman Cinema you'll come to the Crystal Palace that's again another Sam Smith's pub great two room uh, classic uh, this isn't the Crystal Palace on the screen this is the Fox yeah I know exactly yes yeah. yeah. so, yeah. so the Crystal Palace the great two rooms again again real fire, coal fires in both rooms in winter well worth a visit lovely little drinking area out the front uh, friendly crew in there and Sam Smith's prices and again, if you're staying in the uh, Premier Inns there on Blossom Street, those two big Premier Inns, this is too, the Crystal Palace is too much walk for you on the Holgate Road. And you just wanted to go with some, you know, and take a break. But the once again, Bruce, easy to miss because it's past of a terrace. It's almost like in a terrace, isn't it, with a garden at the front? It is. Uh, but they have unless you look, out, you look out for the pub sign it is. that is, is, is on the pavement, you, you could walk past and not realise that it's actually a pub. No, they've just renovated the big pub signing up in the air on its stand now. That's 24 so, you can, so it's easy spot now. They've right. renovated, restored the pub sign as well. So from there now, you would just uh, then cross over the um, uh, Iron Bridge and come to the Crystal Palace. You turn right. It's a huge, dirty, grey Iron Bridge. You're going to cross the East Coast Mainline Railway there, even though you're really close to the city centre still. Got that Iron Bridge. And as soon as you come there, you'd see a church on your left-hand side, plus the bridge. Go down that little residential road there and you come to the Volunteer Arms. And the Volunteer Arms, again, uh, another real ill oasis, a proper little um, unlikely looking place to find this. Uh, you go inside and it is quite um, uh, a ramshackle, 
pub, uh, the volunteer arms. It reminds me of those windowless pubs that you see in Glasgow neighbourhoods that always look very dodgy, which really quite warm and welcoming. And again, a fantastic range of rail ales and definitely worth a stop for one to strike off your list. So come out the volunteer arms, go back to the main road and you'd walk another five minutes down the hill and then you'd see the fox list uh, very close to where I live. Uh, the fox uh, stands alone, stands proud there with its huge garden. It's probably got the marquee up, look ready for reopening. Uh, this is a you know, great uh, you know, listed, uh, uh, building now that can't be taken down. Another Tetley Heritage pub, wasn't it, originally, Bruce? Another Tetley Heritage pub, and yeah. it kind of made it, it was built uh, to serve really. And, uh, the Victorian Bjorn, splendor almost. It is, it's a fantastic building. Yeah. Uh, the carriage works uh, literally. Uh, two minutes walk at the back of the box to the left of it. Uh, the slightly reduced in size now, but if you're interested, you can actually see the great sheds where most of where a great many of the railway carriages at uh, the golden age of uh, our railways were built. I think they were there, Derby, Doncaster crew. Um, they're still in, uh, not making carriages now, but uh, restoring stuff for network rail. Um, but so at one point, so they employed thousands of people around the shift and the course in the breaks. Those chaps would all head to the uh, Fox uh, in the days and they'd have the beer lined up for them. They just say they go there, have a couple of pints. In the Fox, you could move them inside and outside. Then across the road, there was a, a fish and chip shop called Lasky's and they'd send the apprentices across. They'd have to order something like 60 ones of each uh, before they went back to work. Uh, when you go inside the Fox, it's fantastic. There are one, two, three, four, five rooms inside it. Uh, it's pretty much uh, unspoiled. Uh, now, it was a Tetley uh, Heritage Pub, like Nick said, and was quite well made. It was really well maintained, but then entered a period where it's kind of in the wilderness. Uh, it belonged to Punch Taverns. It slowly began to decline. And at one point, it looked like we we're going to lose it forever. And then, thankfully, uh, Osset Brewery uh, stepped in uh, and invested uh, heavily in the Fox. Uh, it's now spick and spam. Um, great inside. They've uh, kind of restored it, uh, preserved it where they needed to. Um, it's had a thorough, um, tasteful, you know, not a makeover, but it's a fantastic room. It totally gleams. Um, the two of the smaller rooms uh, have now got that uh, original feel uh, where they um, had to feel like railway carriages as they were. And there's still some of the uh, original um, um, pieces of uh, railway in from the carriage works days in the original uh, room on the uh, left hand side. I think uh, the sprinter carriages that used to were the sprinter trains at one point where uh, uh, all the upholstery was um, made in those carriage works. And then you can see the sign when they say sprinter room, the lads hold their own sign and designate their room. It's also got one of York's biggest beer gardens uh, and they've erected this huge marquee currently, which um, I'm guessing they'll be able to reopen on April the 12th. Massively, massively popular pub, the Fox, but definitely worth a visit. And so if you're walking from the city centre, You'd, we'd walk here from the railway station in 15 minutes. But 15, 20 minutes, yeah. You yeah. can jump on the bus, can't you, bros? Can you that get, get that was the last bit. time that me and you sat down and had a pint, wasn't it? In December it of last year. It was, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you've got to get the bus, get the number one, number five. In, they actually just ask for it, just talk at the Fox and do that for that. Uh, yeah, on, but you, on, you're so lucky having that as your local, bros. You really are. No, we are very, very lucky. Really, yeah. I just I can't get the I can't understand these marquees. So that marquee, like you say, there. I've seen, I've seen another pub tonight that's got a marquee. Uh, why is that different in a marquee? Yeah, yeah maybe that, sat in the bloody one of those front right. bars there. I just you know it's bonkers. Officially, they should have all the sides off it, really. But it's it's like yeah. smoking areas. 
You know, yeah. smoking areas have to be over 50%, but most pubs, what they did was put a garden shed up with a door opening yeah. and said, right, yeah. that's my smoking shelter. Yeah. It's down to the local authorities again. It depends yeah. how, how strict they want to be. Uh, but most smoking shelters are in pubs now. If you think it has to be over 50%, well, smoking shelters theoretically got six sides to it. It's got a roof, a floor, and four walls. So in theory, if you've got a roof and a floor, all the four sides should be open. Uh, to make it over 50% open. But I say the vast majority of smoking shelters, and this is when the smoking regulations came in, what, 10, 15 years ago now, vast majority of smoking shelters in pubs don't actually reach the, um, the level that they should do. But a blind eye is taken, and it's quite obvious anybody from York Environmental driving past that pub could see when it was there. But I think overall, I would think it goes on the police response as well. If the police know that they aren't being called out to that pub, every other night of the week for various different reasons and, and problems, then they would look upon the landlord as being quite uh, conscientious and, and, and a, 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 a decent person and allow it to happen. Uh, obviously, if they get complaints or they get somebody coming along saying, oh, I don't think this is right, then they would have to uh, take action. But I think it's one of these things that, you know, they're using the laws uh, against landlords who aren't uh, very conscientious and aren't obeying yeah, the rules and regulations. The police, well, that, that's a local, that's a that's a local authority, city council thing in that. Um, now, Aussie Brewery again, just just picking up one of the uh, the, the chef opcast like this week actually. Aussie are uh, you know they're quite a um, again a forward thinking brew that we mentioned the Rat Brewery that they're linked to, mm. and I learned this week that Salt Salt Brewery are also they're part of Aussie as well. Are they Aussie? Yeah, see them and they, there's quite a few breweries now that Aussie kind of. You know, kind of look over, I guess, and and uh, support them with the the okay, some of the marketing stuff as well. Uh, and as we said, we quite like those beers, don't we? They're, they're there as well, yeah. right, Bruce? So we've done a quick zip around the kind of uh, what the left hand side of York, the kind of western side of York, and yeah, the west side. Like yeah, we've kind of actually we've kept away from the, most of the touristy bits, so we've still got some delights that we can, and maybe some of the perhaps the. More older pubs and the most haunted pubs, like the the Yoli Starry Inn and all the ones that we kind of mentioned there as well. So I think that's that's the yeah, we're, we're in our appetite, and we'll be back for more hopefully in a few weeks' time. Uh, next week we are heading towards the Easter weekend. Uh, it's my last day at work next Thursday, so I might be drinking a few more beers. Uh, it's Good Friday next Friday, so we, we do the podcast on Thursday. Uh, and again, we we mentioned a couple of times that I think one of the last trips me and Nick probably did was, and I'm, I'm obviously heading up there and, uh, after Easter, uh, smugglers ice cream, steam trains and beer. Uh, and we said we'd have a look at the North Yorkshire Moors and Coast trip. So we'll start from Moulton, we'll go via Pickering, jump on the steam train. We might have a very special guest from Channel 5's The Railway, if Bruce can sort it out with his nephew. Uh, and, and Bruce is trying to get him to rig in from a... Well, he's not, he won't be in the... Kieran would have been in a bloody uh, carriage somewhere, weren't he, trying to fix the lights or something, uh, <laughs> rather than on the, or in that diesel thing that he always drives. He was, is he the only guy that can drive a diesel train? Yeah, he's always got yeah. Yeah. Hey, they've, got the new, they've got the new toilets now, aren't they, Bruce, on the carriages? <laughs> no more lining poo for him, put it that way. All right. <laughs> so, so Pickering, we'll jump on the North Yorkshire Moors steam railway. We'll pop into Gothland, the centre of Heartbeat. We'll call it Gromont. Uh, we'll then get a connecting train to Whitby. Uh, we'll then jump on the coastliner and go via Robin Hood's Bay and end up in Scarborough and st- struggle into the st- stumble in with a few of the pubs here and there as well. So that's the plan 
for next week. So, uh, and that'll take us to Easter. So we might have a week off at Easter. Uh, we're going to do a London trip at some time, Matt. We said we'd do a London London session. We'll do a Northeast one. We've got York part two. We need to do a Malta one, and hopefully we might be able to get Howard from the, uh, what will be then the Yorkshire Pudding Brewery Company to come and join us for that one. So I think that's it, guys. Any any final thoughts? Any final? No, no. Enjoy, no enjoy both my bottles of beer tonight. As I say, certainly if you, you find Thixton's Pale Ale on the shelves, give it a go, because I've really enjoyed that one uh, tonight. Okay. Yeah, really good. I must admit, I've like I quite enjoyed this brew York one. It's the Christmas beer. It's uh, it's gone down very well. So I might, I've got I've got a ten percent that I might have tomorrow. I might say that for next week actually. <laughs> have it uh, have it next week's podcast. Okay, cheers, guys. Then we will see you all in a week's time. I'll hopefully get this sorted out. Try and get it on uh, online and various places. So remember, you get us on Apple on yeah, all good podcasts. And I'll write YouTube. up the uh, I'll write up the walking trail as well. Uh, and Bruce promised me that he'll get me the writing trail. I'll put that on the uh, multailpodbean.com, uh, the website, which has got all the links to the beers and things on there as well. Okay, guys, see you all soon. Stay safe. Cheers. Bye. Pubs open soon. <laughs>